This is KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. This is Ezra Bick, and today we are continuing Monday, the weekly shear in the structure of Tefillah. We have gotten up to the Shemun Esri. Last week we talked about Semichut Geula the Tefillah, the uh, point of contact between Berkot Kriyat Shema, Ras Baracha, Berkot Goel Yisrael, and Shemun Esri. And therefore, we have now reached one essay. What we're not going to do is to analyze each and every bracha of Shmon Essay. Um, since the framework for this year, as was given to me by the director of KMTT, was uh, for the period of the summer, and therefore we're going to be finished in uh, three weeks, uh, we couldn't possibly have done the entire Shmon Essay bracha by bracha. In fact, I gave a share in the VBM, in the Virtual Beit Midrash, a couple of years ago, on the meaning of Shmon Essay, in which there were, in fact, uh, more than 20 shiurim, from Shmon Essay from the beginning to the end. So today's shiur will be devoted not to the individual brachot of Shmon Essay, but to the structure of Shmon Essay as a whole. For more detailed understanding of each of the bracha, I refer you to the archives of the virtual Beit Midrash, bbm-torah.org. But we're going to talk about the overarching structure of Shmon Esrei, the uh, Tefillah, which has 18 brachot. It actually has 19 brachot, uh, which we call Amida or, or Shmon Esrei. In fact, the word Tefillah in the Gemara, when it appears alone, in its technical sense, means Shmon Esrei. We say Tefillah is everything that's in the Siddur. We talked about this the very, very first uh, shiur, and my question was, from where should I begin the series called The Structure of Tefillah? Uh, but Tefillah in Halacha means Shmon Esrei. Hilchot Tefillah are first of all devoted to the laws which apply to saying Shmon to standing before God and davening. And Shmon has a particular context and framework. The Rambam, as is well known, rules that Tfilah, the mitzvah of davening, is the Oraita. This is a controversy among the Rishonim. Uh, but the Rambam uh, paskins that Tfilah is the Oraita. That, that's not uh, the concept that I want to talk about, but in that, in that context, the Rambam makes the following statement in the first parak of Hilchot Tfilah, parak of Hilchot Tfilah, Halacha um, Bet. After stating that Tfilah, he then states the following, Chiyuv Mitzvah Zu Kahu. The obligation of this Mitzvah is as follows. Sheyehe Adam mithanen umitpalel b'chol yom. Person should, should, lhitchanen. Uh, he should beseech and pray every day. Umagid shevacho shalakadosh baruchu vaharkach shoel tsarachav shu tsarich lehem bevakashao betachina vaharkach notein shevach bodayal ashem alatova shishpiolo kolachad lefikoho. Mamam is giving the Dioraita definition of Tefillah. Why did I mention that it's Dioraita? Because the Mamam is saying this is not the structure which we're now going to explicate, is not a, a Takanat Chazal or, or the way the Siddur happens to be. He's saying this is the very concept of Tefillah. And what 
uh, what does tefillah consist of? Ram divides it into three. A person should recite the praise of God, Magid and then Shoel He then uh, asks the requests, makes the requests of his needs, Shoel which he needs as a request and as a plea, and then he then praises and gives thanks to God for all the good which God has given him, each person as he knows how. The Ramam has a three-part structure to mitzvat tefillah. Tefillah is tripartite. The three parts are shevach, bakasha, vehodaya. Shevach vehodaya. There is the praise of God, there is the requests of one's needs, requests of one's needs, and then there is Hodaya. This uh, statement of the Rambam, the Mufashim say, is based on a Gemara in Vachot Lamedalit. The tripartite structure of Tefillah is in fact found in Vachot Lamedalit, and apparently the Rambam being that Gemara, saw it as being a statement of such clear logic that it has the status of being the Oraita. There's a cloud, there's a principle of uh, halachic jurisprudence that something would have the status of the Oraita if it was if it was logical. You don't need an explicit pasuk or something which which has to be. What does the Gemara in Bachot say? There's a halacha there um, which uh, which is Pascha in the Shulchan Aruch. It's, it's a halacha of, of, of Tefillah. Dafnamadalu Madalef in Bachot Amar Rav Yuda. The Olam Al Yishal Adam Tsirachav, Lobi Shadosh Rishonot, Velobi Shadosh Achonot, Elo Beem Tsayot. A man should not ask, should not request his needs, should not uh, uh, place his needs before God, neither in the first three Bachot nor in the last three Bachot but only in the middle Bachot In other words, he's saying that there are three parts of Tfilah. There's the first three Bachot there's the last three bachot, and then the middle bachot, the middle 12, or actually 13, since there are 19 bachot in Shemana Esrei. There's three, 13, and then three. So when you ask for something, you have a need, you want to ask for something, you want to talk to God and ask Him for what you need. You should fit this into the middle, to the middle section. The Amar Rabbi Hanina, for Rabbi Hanina has stated, Rishonot, the first bachot, and here the language is very important, because this is the formal Definition of how Chazal understood the Brachot of Shemesay. Rishonot dome le'eved shemesader shevach lefnei rabba. The first Brachot, it is as one, as a servant or a slave who is arranging praise before his master. Em tsa'ayot dome le'eved shemevakesh peras mi rabba. The middle Brachot are a servant or a slave who is asking for a reward. For a, no, what's the one word? He's asking for a portion. He's asking to receive his portion from his master. Achronot, the last pachot, domele eved shekibel pras that is like a slave who has received his portion from his master, v'niftar v'holech lo. And he, there's no way to translate this into English. So the, the, the correct translation, I think, is, I hope you recognize the phrase, it's a bit medieval. 
He takes his leave and goes. Niftar. He he is released. Niftar. He is released and he goes. This halach is called in Shulchan Aruch that if you have a request to make of God, you have to fit it into the middle. Vachot and not in the first three or the last three. I'll just mention that this gives rise to a lachi question as to how come in Asaret Yemei Teshuvah we have in fact requests uh, both in the first three and the last three. So Chaveinu Lachayim is inserted into the first bracha, and Besefa Chayim Rachav Shalom is inserted into the last bracha. The post can talk about it because the halacha is I'm not going to solve the problem now, but the halacha is that requests meant to be made only in the middle thirteen brachot. What? Now do we have, based on the second statement, that of Rav Chanin, not the halacha of uh, Rav Yehuda, but that on which he based his halacha. Rav Chanin explains the three parts of Shemun Esri. Now the Bible simply said that there's shvach, shevach, bakasha, v'hodaya. Praise, requests, and gratitude. Rav Chanin, who is apparently the source of the Bible's statement, is somewhat more explicit, and I think, at least to our ears, it will sound different. First of all, Rav Hanina emphasizes to understand what a person is doing, he says, make sure you're wearing the shoes of a slave, of a servant. This, the, the, the tripartite structure is going to make sense if you see yourself and you understand Shemun as the relationship between a servant and his master. The first part is, the first three brachot are a servant who presents the praise of his master. The middle is a servant who requests his portion from the master. And the last is a servant who has received his portion and is being released and is taking his leave. This, I think, will be the key to understanding what I think otherwise is, is really inexplicable. We, we normally refer to the last three brachot as hodaya, as gratitude. But the last three brachot, say modim, and shalom, well, modim is gratitude. That's one of the three. And in fact, the name of that bracha is also hodaya. It's the bracha of hoda. But say a request to God that he return himself to the Yushalayim and build the Beit HaMikdash, what does that do with gratitude? Sim Shalom, a request to God that He bless us and all the world with peace. What does that do with gratitude? So what Rav Hanin is doing for us is he's, he's changing the context and I hope helping us understand all of the Bechot, both as three parts and as their overarching union. The union is that you are, this is the way a servant approaches his master. It's very difficult for us to understand this. I think a, 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 an effort, a great effort is required for Jews living in the 21st century to begin to understand the, understand existentially, understand in your hearts the metaphor that's being presented here. Because we don't have, one, we don't have kings. We don't have masters. Two, we're opposed to the very concept. We think slavery is is an insult, is a shame and a disgrace for a human being. 
We've all been raised, and I think not merely by Western society, but it resonates in, 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 in our Judaism, in our halacha. Man is created in the image of God, and all human beings are equal. And therefore, the attitude that Chazal is suggesting here, which I imagine that none of us will object to on theological grounds when it's a relationship of man to God and not man to his fellow man, but nonetheless is totally foreign to us in our lives. When Chazal said, approach God the way a servant approaches his master, it was understood by everybody what we're talking about. But we don't have that experience, and we object to that experience. This, by the way, applies to many areas in our life where there's a certain disconnect between halacha and, and, and the mores in which we live. Um, the halacha, I'm just giving an example now. The halacha requires that when a rav, or even an older person, enters the room, you should stand up. I, I think many or most halachically observant Jews, in fact, do that, or at least some of the time do that. But it's not natural. It, it, it's not the normal expression of respect that one gives to someone whom one respects because we don't do that kind of respect. You might respect people, but you don't show yourself as being somehow inferior to them. To stand up when someone enters the room is not merely a sign of respect. It's a sign. It says you're not permitted to be at leisure. What's the between standing and sitting? Sitting means that I'm at leisure. It's, I'm, I'm comfortable. When someone with whom one is in awe, someone who is basically your superior, that's where it comes from. It comes from ancient times. When your superior enters the room, you immediately stand up because, yes, you're in an attitude of service to him. And you're not that comfortable. You're not at home. And therefore, until he gives you permission to sit, permission to sit, you, can, you cannot sit down in his presence. So today we don't have, in normal society, we don't have people uh, for whom one has that feeling. I imagine sometimes, uh, I've seen in the movies, when the President of the United States enters the Oval Office, everybody stands up. They do it without thinking. So apparently it's deep in, in the human conscience. But, but it's not done for other people. We don't, our teachers aren't wise people, and our superiors are not superiors. So we, I think we all agree that God is our superior, but I'm not sure we really understand fully Existentially, what Chazal are requesting here. When you speak to God, well, most of us probably just speak to God because we want to talk to Him. So Chazal don't see Shmon in that sense. Of course you have a need to talk to God. But Shmon is service of a servant before his master, before the king. That's the 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 basic understanding of Shmon as I pointed out last week when we talked about Semichut Gulal Tefillah. And how does a servant approach his master? Whatever the reason, whatever he wants to say. There's a very formal, a very formal, it's crucial that there be a formal structure here. First thing you do, you don't just walk over to your master and you say, hey, I need a piece of bread. We have no problem doing that to uh, the, the fast food outlet. You know, I'll, you can be polite. I'll have the Kentucky Fried Chicken. You don't, you don't do that to the king. It's a basic misunderstanding of your relationship. So you open with praise. And, and the reason is not because Chazal thought you have to butter God up before he'll give you anything. As you pointed out, we talked about Pesukei de Zimra and the need to have praise before davening. 
which might in fact refer to the halach we're talking about now as well, the opening of Shemanesai. And so it, 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 it wasn't because pragmatic, God's not going to give it to you unless you first butter him up. You have to first sycophantly praise him so that he should be in a good mood. No, it, it's, it's the, the, the structure is such that that's the proper way to speak. He doesn't owe it to you. It's not his job to give things out to people who knock on the door and ask. And and therefore, you, it's, it's, it's what's, God doesn't need your praise, but you need the praise. The way to approach the king is, first of all, to express due regard. Not to, I don't know what psychological you're feeling, but you should not be saying that my main concern is to get what I need from you. Your main concern is to express the proper relationship. And therefore it begins with the praise of God that is the first Bibachot, Avot, Givurot, and Kedusha. Who is God? What does He do? Elokeinu, Elokei Avoteinu, second Bracha, Tagibol Olam Hashem, you are powerful, and Atakadosh, and you are the Holy One of Israel. You have to first you know, recite His title, so to speak, when you first meet God. Then you can ask for what you need. To make the requests as a servant makes requests of his master. To receive your daily portion. And the last part, which in its short version we call Hodaya, is defined by Rav Hanina as Niftar Vaholechlo. Before you leave the presence of the king, you have to take your leave. You have to request permission to leave. How is that done? It also has a formal structure. Here we're totally at a loss. I think we all understand what it means to praise someone who deserves praise. We understand what it means to ask of something who has the power and you are therefore inferior to him. But this part of Shemun I don't think has any, has almost, maybe has zero correspondence today. Before you leave someone's presence, you don't just, you don't just get up and leave. You don't even say thank you and leave. Niftar v'holechlo, you take your leave. And the way to take your leave is to bless him. You are leaving his presence. You're going into the world. You have to leave him with something. And the way Chazal constructed Shemoneswe is, the first part is you ask God. It's an asking. It's not a request because I need it. You ask God that he accept our tefillot as he would accept Philot in the Beit HaMikdash. And therefore he should also, in fact, return the Beit HaMikdash. We're not doing that because we're asking God to please listen to us. That was the previous bracha, the last bracha, the 13 request for Shema Koleinu. Please listen to us and, and give us something in return. Here we're saying, Ritzay Hashem Elokeinu. May my tefillah find favor in your eyes. The way a korban would be l'reyach nichoach u'l'ratzon l'fnei Hashem. When you get up to leave the king, you say, I hope that my, my conversation with you has been, has, has been favorable in your eyes, has given you pleasure. Oh, I know there are Satilians among you saying, what? Do we think our tefillah gives pleasure to God? So, find your honest Satilian answer. Technically speaking, in terms of the language of the Torah and the Chazal, yes. They are for God's pleasure, 
for God's favor. And therefore, tefillah is as well. When you get up to leave, you say, I hope my tefillah has been, has found pleasure, has found, has found favor in your eyes. And therefore, the world which I impart should be your resting place, Vashev Shechina. Two, formal gratitude. And I thank you for the time that you have granted me and for whatever request that you will grant. I thank you in advance. And finally, Sim Shalom. It's not a quest. I, I also need peace. Of course we need peace. But peace here means much more than something which I happen to be missing and I need, like food, like like forgiveness, like gula, like wisdom, the other things we asked for in the 13 middle brachot. Peace is the, is, the, is the perfection of God. When I, and, and of course we know that the way in which Jews take leave of each other is with shalom. When you say goodbye to somebody, you say shalom, let peace be on you. Shalom Alecha. Well, now we're saying Shalom Alecha to God. And you do that by, how do you say, how do you say peace to God? You say, wait, may your peace encompass the entire world. Sim Shalom Tova Racha Chaim Chesed Aleinu Vakoy Salamecha. All of Shmonese fits into this pattern. So I'm saying there are two different points here. One is the, the overarching framework. And and I, I can't repeat enough how much I think an effort is required of modern men to remember and to fulfill and to experience the way Chazal believed one should daven. Davening is a formal exercise in subservience. It's the way an inferior approaches his superior, his master. Before you get to the actual content, which I'm not going to talk about, but before you get to the actual content of each bracha, this has to be the, the basic attitude that one has. And the Rabbi Niyonu we spoke about last week in Smichut Bulal Tefillah emphasized that. This is the God who took you out of Egypt and therefore you belong to him, therefore you are his slave. Because he took you out of slavery to the Egyptians. Now go Davin. That's the overarching framework. Ke'eved berabo. As a servant and a master. Then Chazal escalate for us, and it's really good that they do because we never figured out on, on its own, we the children of democratic equality. How does a servant speak to his master? Chazal said, it takes a while. It's complicated. And the Bible says, this is me, Dioraita. This is so clearly logical that I know you can't have to feel any other way. Because it's really crucial that Tefillah be understood as standing before the king, a servant beseeching his master. And the three parts are Shevach, first express the greatness of the man before whom you stand. That's service of God. Service of God is, service of a master is to express his greatness. First Tefillah. Now you may ask of him that which only he can grant, because God is the master of the world and the king. There's no point in going to ask anybody else for anything. Everything comes from him. 
There's no one else who we can get anything from. And that is also service of God, recognizing that point and, and, and making the list, presenting the list of what we need, not our demands. We're not negotiating here. But what would, that which we request. What portion does he wish to give us? And I make my request, 13 brachot. And now it's time to leave. And time to leave means to leave God's presence and go back into the world. God's presence is a very special experience. But you're not all the time in God's presence. You're not all the time in the Master's presence. You're a servant. You have work to do. You've been granted an audience, to use a word that has undoubtedly lost most of its meaning in modern times. But for those who read, as I did when I was a child, a lot of medieval literature, the audience was the king. When you leave the audience, you've been granted, but now you're going back into the world. So there's leave-taking. You request permission to leave his presence. And of course, you will leave his presence by shuffling backwards, three steps backwards with your face still facing him. Because that's the way you take your leave of the king of kings. And the last vibachot is this leave-taking. It's not not a, a politeness. It's not etiquette. It's the leave-taking of a servant. Or it's, it's royal etiquette. The leave-taking of a servant from the king of kings, from his master, to whom he's bound, to whom he recognizes the inferior-superior relationship. And that very interestingly consists of, I think it's the most interesting part once you realize the framework, consists of three individual brachot. My hope and request that my service of God is favorable in His eyes. My gratitude to Him for having listened to me and for everything He does for me on a day-by-day basis, not merely for what he will give me in return for my request. But on a day-to-day basis, it says in the Baruch HaShabuchol Yom, Erev, Bavok My gratitude towards God for maintaining the world, maintaining ourselves in it. And finally, my request that His will be fulfilled in its fullest sense of bringing peace and perfection and Shalemut, Shalom v'Shalemut, peace and perfection for the entire world and everything that's in it. And then you leave God, you take your three steps backwards, and you go out into the world having been armed with this first morning audience to do that which you have to do in the service of God for the rest of the for the rest of the day. Of course, this understanding of Shmonese as being standing in service of the king, the audience before one's master, is exemplified by numerous halachot which surround Shonesai. The fact that you stand. The fact that you stand with your feet together. The fact that one has to dress in a certain manner, which the halachic definition of which is as one would appear before the king. Again, something which we don't naturally understand which perhaps explains why people don't dress for Shemon and for Tefillah as once they would. But uh, as the Raman Paskins in the Shulchan Aruch, uh, yes, one has to dress better for davening than for talking to one's friends. Which is why, uh, truth is, the, the standards of dress do come from society. They're not, uh, one doesn't have to dress as the Raman dress. One has to dress as one today would dress if one appeared before the king. Oh, there are no kings. It's hard for us to figure that out. Well, all right, if you are at a meeting with the President of the United States. So, 
you, you, you have to dress properly. And I love about uh, why you have to wash your hands beforehand. And, and, and certain, you can only dab it in certain places. Because yes, one is standing before the king. You have to cover your head. Could be even alpidin, even before the, the meaning of wearing a yarmulke, covering one's head in all places. But when it appears before the king, so Chazal understood that means to have certain kinds of clothing. Uh, Etc. The uh, Ram has a whole long list organized in, in one parak in Hachot Tefillah. Uh, three steps, taking three steps forward and three steps backwards. It's a formal statement of you're leaving one world and entering another. You're entering into God's presence. You're not just talking to him because he's everywhere. Which is true, but that's not what you're doing now. In Trinesha, you're entering God's chamber. You've been called to an audience. So the respectful three steps one takes. One finishes, one takes three steps backwards. As one says the words, Oseh Shalom Bimurmav, as one takes leave by saying Shalom, Oseh Shalom Bimurmav. Etc., etc., etc. The more halakhot that are based on this. All this comes because of the structure of Tfilah's being standing in the presence, not of God, standing in the presence of the king, of whom you are a servant, the total, the total difference, the total inequality of our stature is crucial part of tefillah. And in that context, one has the ability, yes, to also ask and to unload that which is on our heart, tefillah as that of a poor person who is, who is simply unloading all of his problems before God. Yes, you can do that. The king listens to the problems of his servants. So therefore, within that context, you have that opportunity as well. But you have to maintain the context. And that is the formal context created by Chazal when they wrote the words for Shemun Esrei and the actual 19 Bachot as exemplified by the Gemara that which we read. That's it for today. We will continue in the Tefillah as that comes after Shemun Esrei in the coming weeks. This has been Ezra Bik, and you've been listening to KMTT. Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. Udvar Hashem, Mi Yerushalayim. Shavua Tov, Vachol Tov.